Hi, I'm Sage and welcome to my podcast. Here I will chat with you about my adventures in romance and non-monogamy and all of existence really, starting from my strict fundamentalist Christian childhood all the way through to where I am today, practicing relationship anarchy and still trying to figure life out bit by bit. Here you can expect frank discussions about religion, about trauma, about monogamy and of course about sex. I hope you'll have fun, I hope you'll find it interesting and most of all I hope you'll join the conversation. Hello friends, it is good to be sitting here and daunting. I haven't recorded a podcast episode in a while and I had to really gather together my courage to sit myself down finally, plug in my microphone and decide to let forth and speak. I hope you're all doing well, wherever you are, I hope this year started beautifully for you, and however it started, may it be a time of meaning for you in these weird, strange times that we're in, may this year be meaningful, I think, I think that's a sincere wish that I can make for myself and for everybody else. I haven't recorded a podcast episode in a while, as I've said, and the last one I recorded was not the one I intended to. I had at that time been stuck in in a space of intensity and pain and continuous trauma response, really. Last year was intensely difficult. I actually can't believe I managed to start a podcast in between all of that and it hasn't so far (laughs) gone as planned. I didn't record nearly as many episodes as I'd liked and didn't talk about all the things that I planned to talk about. But here we are, New Year, and um, things have happened since the last time we spoke. And I thought to begin with I could perhaps give you a life update on where I am, what's been happening, and also give you an idea of what I'm planning. I really I really hope to grow this podcast this year as one of many ventures and ideas that I have. I really hope to expand the conversations that I hesitantly started last year. I really hope to connect with more of you and have meaningful interactions, you know. And I think that should start with telling you where I'm at, which is honestly really difficult for me. I've I've been trying to come up with the words of how I'm going to talk about where I am, what's been happening for me, and I don't know if I actually have the words, so I'm just going to talk, I guess. The intention of this podcast was always to be honest, to be transparent, to share about my life to to use this thing that I think I have, which is the ability to be excruciatingly honest. Uh, not that I am always honest, 
rather let me let me rephrase my innate tendency to overshare and to use that to create something you know I've always been the one at parties who bounces into a conversation and within five minutes manages to talk about sex death and religion <laughs> and overshare with strangers about details they'd probably rather not have known and in the process very often start really interesting conversations and perhaps even encourage others to bring their vulnerabilities as well and it's often been a thing about myself that I've been embarrassed about many many times when I leave a conversation or a party I find myself cringing thinking oh my god I spoke to these strangers about completely inappropriate details about my life and in having this podcast, I'm basically doing an amplified version of that. And I've often wondered how much I should tell, how much I could tell. Especially when it relates to other people as well, because I'm a relational being as we all are. And what I'm doing relates to what other people are doing. And I always wonder how much is right to share and this question of what's right or not has been something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Like, I've realized that in my life, I've very often tried exceedingly hard to do, quote unquote, the right thing. As a child, that's what got me through my life. Trying to walk this fine line of not creating conflict more than I had to in our family. Just, just to stay alive, you had to really measure your words, really be aware of what stray response, stray word might set my dad off, try and find the perfect combination of actions and words that would make no one angry, that would help me stay alive. And as an adult, that has translated into me really trying excruciatingly hard to fix everything and honestly to control everything always thinking that if I could just find the right word if I could just behave exactly perfectly which perhaps might also be a remnant of my religious upbringing then I could handle everything then everything would go right and of course that also meant that whenever anything went wrong as it invariably did I used to look at myself and ask what could I have done differently what could I have said differently and in my podcast, this translates to me agonizing over every word, everything I share with you, wondering, is this the right thing to share? Will this be my deepest truth, but also shared in a way that is wise? And mingling vulnerability with wisdom is not a thing that I have a handle on yet. And I think that's one of my intentions for this year, is to stop wondering about what is right how can I handle this interaction and that interaction to maximum effect? How can I act with as much integrity as possible? Can I tamp down on my anger? Can I be vulnerable without being aggressive? Can I be angry without being damaging? Can I be tender without being needy? Always trying to juggle all of these actions in the perfect combination and not getting it right whatsoever. And one of my intentions this year is to, instead of asking myself constantly what is right, to ask myself what is true for me, what feels good. And what feels good, honestly, is to be vulnerable as fuck and to most likely overshare. So, here we are.
I'm oversharing. Maybe I'm not. Who knows? It's all relative. Let me tell you what's been happening for me. Last year, in the last two months, three really, October, November, December, life was exceedingly difficult. I was in the process of packing up my life. I handed in my resignation. I was very worried about money, um, what I would do this year for an income, and also knew that I had to trust. I had to sort of free fall, but feeling feeling everything in my body resisting this free fall, surrendering a well-paid job that I'd had for 10 years, or at least a relatively well-paid job that I'd had for 10 years for the complete unknown, surrendering a house that I'd lived in and loved on a farm for indeterminate travel, trying to start this podcast at a time when my energy was so low that sometimes taking a shower felt like a victory. All of that, all of these changes, packing up my house, trying to find people to take my furniture, my belongings, and trying to organize all of that, whilst going through some deep personal, emotional struggles, starting with the death of my grandfather that somehow set so many things in motion, and then a time of intense, intense strife and yearning and fear and triggering between myself and the mage that set off this avalanche of triggers within my body and it just it just felt like everything was screaming this is ending this is ending this is ending and it was the strangest feeling between in myself between him and I this awareness that I was responding towards him as if he wanted to harm me and knowing that this was a remnant of my childhood, that I was projecting things my father had done. I was projecting my abandonment wounding, my fear of being alone onto the mage and making it true in the process, responding constantly from a place of fear, not being able to hold space for where he was because I felt so utterly terrified. And because I couldn't hold space for he, for where he was, he needed more and more space and I grew more and more terrified and it was as if I was creating a rift between us and I felt powerless to stop it. And eventually realizing this is where I was, I was in a space of near constant trauma response, of near constant nausea, weakness, dizziness, anguish, constant weeping, feeling as, as if I was losing one person apart from my family who knows me intimately and living in this deeply clenched space. And in that clench, finding moments of accepting it. And those moments were not constant, but there were many moments throughout the last few months of last year where I was able to hold myself and say, well, this is where I'm at. I'm in a space of being very triggered. I'm in a trauma response. I'm very often in a freeze response. And when I'm not, I'm in some weird combination of fight or flight. My whole body screams, I need to defend myself. And my whole body screams, I'm being abandoned. And there is nothing I can do. I cannot reason myself out of this response. And so I learned imperfectly, but I learned how to hold myself in the response. In between that, there were just other struggles as well and and it was also really hard feeling my health not being what I needed it to be regular migraines and as I said weakness dizziness nausea having so little energy 
when I look back now, I can honestly say that the the last few months of last year were some of the most difficult in my life. But as I shared in my previous episode, in many ways they were incredibly valuable and also really beautiful. I had these moments more and more frequently of feeling so deeply connected with the earth. And that has really stayed with me, this deep feeling of I am being carried by something that is vaster than myself. And I don't quite know how to phrase this. I don't want to use religious words. I don't want to fall back to simplistic models, simplistic explanations for this deep sense of meaning that I feel reached out to me. But I can simply say that it felt as if I was divinely cared for. And by divinely cared for, I honestly also mean cared for by the natural living world, by everything around me and inside me, feeling my body in spite of being weak and woozy, carrying me through this time of intensity, feeling the earth, feeling gravity, simply holding me. I cannot fall. I'm already on the earth. Seeing the earth around me producing plants, In this constant cycle of life, I would go walking in this nearby nature reserve and look at the trees. There's one specific tree that had its lower limbs cut off, probably because they were endangering people or it might be in danger of being shorn off by the wind, I'm not sure. This beautiful stone pine, majestic, probably a few hundred years old, twisting up into the sky with its lower limbs cut off and left simply to die around it. And I walked up to this tree once on a specific day that I was really struggling. I felt as if I were dying. I felt so weak I had to walk so slowly. And I walked up to this tree and I just pressed my cheek against its bark and a little bit of sap fell onto me, clung to my clothes. And I heard it. I heard its stillness, this tree, this this stillness that is also a song. And it spoke to my heart and it just said, I am so alive. And I asked the tree, how can you be this exultant? How can you be this alive when you're in so much pain, when you're dripping tree sap, when you're bleeding, when your branches have been torn off and are sawn off and are lying around you? You're in so much pain. And the tree said, yes, I am. And I said, how can you have this much joy? And I just said yes. It didn't provide me with explanations. It didn't say anything more. I just felt this divine, earthly, exultant yes. Pain, yes. Aliveness, yes. And I just drew so much courage from that. And I've been returning to that tree. I went there again two days ago and hugged it and... And I just tapped into its stillness again, and there it was, still standing, with its needles blowing, making this delightful, this deep whooshing sound in the wind. It's been a time of wind here in Stellenbosch, where I currently stay. And there have been so many of those moments of just reaching my heart out, almost in a sort of a wordless prayer, just going, help, help, hold me. And the earth saying, I am holding you. I am holding you. 
I am providing for you, as I am providing for everyone. And that doesn't mean that hard things don't happen. It doesn't mean that I'm not frail, a small human who could die at any moment. Any bad thing could happen to me. And it's holding that strange paradox that has really been such a beautiful experience. I am tiny and insignificant compared to this vast universe. And at the same time, I am divinely held. And being divinely held does not mean that I can't die or suffer. It simply means that, yes, yes to that too. It's all this glorious fucking dance of existence. The hard bits, the easy bits, the joyful bits, the the painful bits, all of them form part of this the symphony of existence, of exploration, of curiosity, of experiencing. Above all, experiencing, getting to experience this existence. It's a little bit hard to put into neat words, clearly. Anyway, at at the end of this almost three-month-long phase, on the 23rd of December, I'd finally packed up all my stuff, gotten everything into storage, and I headed off to Swellendam, which is about 200 kilometers from here, which is where my mom lives, and spent a beautiful and difficult Christmas time there. A lot of it spent in her garden, crying, missing the mage. Our relationship was still very much up in the air we'd taken some space and then he asked for some more space and then he left the country for a while and I was just left holding on to this deep longing to see him holding on to this fear that we weren't going to patch this up before I left I'm leaving in a week's time this fear that I might not even see him this fear that our relationship was ending this terror really recognizing a pattern that we'd been at before. Our relationship has been every flavor of everything from deeply intimate and romantic to quiet as the grave for months. We've taken space before. We've taken space that stretched into months of not talking. We've always come back to each other, but being in that space again of uncertainty and not knowing if we're going to be able to meet each other, bridge our individual triggers and look each other in the eye with love, not knowing if that was going to be possible was terrifying. Wanting to hold space for him, needing space, whilst at the same time feeling this overwhelming longing to be with him, to just be together again, to have things be easy as they had been until quite recently and constantly feeling this loss And then I felt life telling me to trust and not necessarily to trust him or even our relationship, but to trust life, to trust life because it's always been there and it's always been such a magnificent ride and to trust in the ride. And so I decided to. You know, I made a conscious decision to trust in the goodness. And I'm not saying that in a, in a sort of a simplistic way, but in the juiciness, rather, of life. 
And I remembered a post I'd made on Instagram a few months ago where I also went through about a week or two of feeling intensely triggered and realizing in that time that I didn't trust life. And this was perhaps in June, July, and I made a post about it on Instagram where I said I realized that my inside, my first response when anything happens is to flinch to draw back, to expect something bad to happen. And this is a learned response from years of trauma from my childhood. It's so annoying having to say that over and over again and confronting that over and over again. But I, like most people, I think, expect bad things to happen. I'm guarded, clench easily. And I investigated that and realized that I don't trust life and made a post about it, as I said. And now, months later, having gone through such depths of agony, it was so beautiful to realize that I do. Now I do. Somehow, in these few months, I connected so deeply to the living world itself, to everything within and outside of myself, that I feel I can actually trust life. Something has shifted. And I wouldn't say that I'm now a triumphant fucking warrior just going out, going forth into the world with no fear. Not at all. But now, when I grow still, when I go inside, I encounter a sense of trust. So that was was a beautiful experience, just feeling the universe prodding me into trusting. And that is also my word for the year is trust. I always have a word or sort of an intention for my year ahead and I always sort of wait until the right word drops for me and for a few years now it's been on themes of flow and surrender and it seems that this theme is continuing because this year my word is trust and let me tell you that trust has already (laughs) been significantly challenged in these 10 days of 2022 so far after spending time with My mom, one of my brothers and one of my sisters and her kids, the other two siblings couldn't be there, but we had a beautiful Christmas. It was sure difficult because I was wrestling with my fear, with my longing for the marriage, with my uncertainty about the future. My siblings themselves are going through difficult times, as is my mom. Our entire family is about to go through momentous changes, each of us. My mom is moving, my brother is moving too, my sister's going through a lot of upheaval. So there was definitely an underlying current of upheaval, but there was also so much joy and laughter, and my mom's great Dane stole all of the Christmas cake and got violently sick because dogs are allergic to chocolate. Fortunately, she made it, but that was really funny. We couldn't figure out who the culprit was who'd eaten all all the cake. We couldn't figure out how it had happened because it was on a very high shelf in a closed room but it turns out great danes can open doors and also eat things off shelves so lesson learned we also went swimming a close friend of mine joined us for christmas and we had some beautiful conversations and made music and it was just beautiful and then myself my sister and my brother and a handful of very close friends went to Nature's Valley on the Garden Route, another 300 kilometers onwards for a New Year's festival which lasted five days and we camped in the forest and it was transcendent. 
and so needed. I danced and danced and danced and it was, oh, my body had missed it so much. I mean, I dance in my kitchen every chance I get and shake off whatever I'm feeling and do yoga and move my body. But there's something about dancing to really good music in the open air with the night wind in your face amongst other people who are all exhausted by this year and all so excited to be in this space. All of us together, that just is like, it's just magic, like actual magic. That is what magic is, is people coming together like that. And we were in this beautiful indigenous forest and I just realized again how how beautiful my friends are and this beautiful life that has somehow come to me. So you guys know who you are. I know most of you listen to my podcast and I just again want to say how grateful, deeply grateful I am for each of you. And so we spent that time in the forest and I had lots of interesting encounters. I've been, oh, I'd love to make an episode once one day about, about spiders, spider magic and the myth of the trickster god and storytelling because that's been a theme that's been popping up in my life I have a phobia of spiders that I've been wrestling with for the past few years and um, amongst other things there was a spider in my tent and I still don't know how that happened because I kept my tent compulsively closed at all times so it must have been on me as I walked into my tent and also as I rolled up my tent as we were packing up, there was a very large scorpion underneath the tarp that had been hiding there all along. I had slept on top of it. <laughs> and that was how my New Year started, discovering a scorpion. On the 1st of January, as I was packing up my things, large black scorpion under my tent. And it felt like both a warning and a blessing. I danced through the night, the night of the 31st. I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. I was exhausted by then. The festival had been going on for five days. I had done a variety of psychedelics, had a variety of beautiful experiences with my siblings, with my friends, had gone walking in the forest, had swum, had been in the sun, had been cold, had been in the rain, was dirty, had done mostly sponge baths, and had developed a sore throat and a bit of a runny nose over the past few days, and I was strongly suspecting that I might have covid um, but what what can you do? If you've been at a festival for five days, you can't suddenly start isolating. And, well, I have been vaccinated, so I hoped that would cover most of the symptoms or make or ease most of the symptoms. And despite all of this, I found myself just unable to stop dancing, and I danced until they put the music off as the sun was coming up on the 1st of January and then I walked back to my tent having had some beautiful conversations with some wonderful people I met there and sat down outside on a camping chair and just looked at the trees and at the silent camping site with everybody else sleeping and felt so much gratitude so much joy and also so much caution there's been a sense to me of this year of caution and not in a scared way but in a guarded way like how can I explain it a sense of be alert this year will bring many things 
Be prepared. Be alert. Be willing. Look after yourself. Rest when you can. Those have been messages that have been coming to me. And so I sat there feeling guarded and joyful at the same time, watching the sun gradually seep through the trees on the morning of the 1st. And that was how my year started. And then (laughs) within that same day, everything changed. And uh, these are the parts that I'm not sure how to tell because they involve other people. I packed up my things. My brother and myself and my sister got into my little Hyundai i10, packed to the brim with our tents and our stuff and our dusty bodies and my knee hurt really badly. I think I injured it from hula hooping actually. I don't know how I danced with that knee but I managed to. So my sister was driving and we drove back the few hundred kilometers to my mom's house. And we were what one usually is after a festival, you know, dusty, exhausted, happy, irritated, cautious around each other. Emotions can fly high when you're all coming down from that kind of experience. But it was a beautiful drive back and we had beautiful conversations and and yet I felt the sense of caution. Things had come up for my sister during this festival things that are hers to wrestle with and to talk about but some of them had to do with me and some of them had to do with long-held wounds about me and about the way that we'd been raised and about the way that she'd been treated and how I'd been treated and how we'd often been played off against each other as children by my father and about her role in the place of things and pain that was coming up for her And I'd been aware of this coming up for her and it had definitely been something that I was trying, maybe not very successfully, to navigate with sensitivity and with caution because it related so intimately to me that it put me in a difficult position, wanting to be my full self, my natural self at this festival and also knowing that she was feeling triggered, that things were coming up for her. And to give some context, my sister is the closest person in my life. We've been each other's best friends since she was born. Our memories overlap so significantly that very often we argue about whose memory it is. She was the one that I would wake up in the middle of the night when I was too scared of going to the bathroom alone. I was quite a scared child. I had a very vivid imagination. She was the one I would tell my life to and that she would tell. I was the one that she would tell her life to and... She doesn't live in South Africa, but we spend a lot of time sending each other long voice notes, making copious notes in response to each other's experiences. And I would say that this is by far the most committed relationship I've ever been in, the most consistent effort I've ever put into a friendship. And I would say that she feels the same. So the things coming up for her were hard, I think, for both of us. And when we arrived at my mom's house, tired, (laughs) wobbly, it came out. It just came out in one big burst from her side. And the violence with which it came out, the intensity and the anger 
with which it came out struck me like a blow and it wounded me really deeply and I don't think I can discuss it any more than that but it was an incredibly painful experience and immediately I knew that I had to retreat that I didn't feel safe to engage with what had just come up for her and that I didn't feel seen or held enough to have a conversation about this but that I needed to leave that I needed to leave and let her have her experience and it was also interesting feeling that sense within myself that definite sense of this is not something that I can engage with because this is too violent this is an experience that she needs to have not a conversation that we need to have and I need to leave and I'm not safe here and feeling that response not coming from a place of trauma, it wasn't a trauma response that I had, but coming from a place of wisdom, like, no, I'm going to remove myself from this. And realizing, oh, the mirroring, the constant mirroring, that this was very often what the mage was expressing towards me. When my anger towards him would come up, and I would try and hold it down, and I would try and not communicate in an aggressive way, and non-violently communicate, etc., etc., and he would say to me, I can feel that there is anger within you, and I don't feel safe, I need to remove myself, and I would feel really hurt by that, and now suddenly I could feel that same impulse that he so often expressed to remove myself from the situation. Because I didn't feel honored, I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel that this was a safe space for, for us to engage. And so being aware of the irony of the thing that I was constantly upset about with the mage, namely him retreating, him leaving, feeling that urge within myself. And I followed it, I left. On the morning of the second I packed up my things and I drove back to Stellenbosch where I had already arranged the year before at the end of 2021, to stay with a friend for two weeks. My friend Johnny, from whose place I'm recording this and have recorded several other episodes, to stay with him for two weeks while I get my stuff in order. So I came, and on my way to his house, I stopped to get a COVID test, just in case, because I didn't want to infect him. And a part of me was very surprised, and another part of me was not surprised at all when that strip lit up. The viral load was so high that the test strip lit up or made a little line before the control strip did. So I was, not only did I have COVID, I was pretty much in the middle of it and I'd had it for a while. But it was very mild. I mean, I, like I said, on the night of the 31st, I danced through the night with ease, with joy, with complete just surrender and even though my body was a little bit tired, it did it. Like I didn't have to push myself. So I think maybe to some extent the joy of being at that festival and the joy of dancing had minimized the symptoms. Or, you know, it was just a mild case. Anyway, so I arrived at my friend Johnny's house. Heart sick, exhausted. Actually sick. We didn't hug. <laughs> I wore a mask. He sanitized everything I touched. I tried not to touch anything and I basically locked myself into his guest bedroom and didn't leave it for three days, three, four days, and waited for the symptoms to abate. Like I said, by then I'd already been sick for at least a week, I think. 
So I only had to isolate for another week or so. So I've reached the end of my isolation now. Um, and I guess it was what I needed. After this time of intensity, the past few months of agony, and then family Christmas, and then the festival, and then the huge fallout with my sister, I think maybe hiding in his guest bedroom for a few days, just binge-watching series, was exactly what I needed. And Johnny cared for me beautifully, left food outside my door, and we're not sure yet, but we don't think he caught it. Um, and honestly, the symptoms just kept on being really mild. Stuffy nose and tiredness. Tiredness was the main thing. That took me by surprise. But again, that wasn't new either. I mean, I'd been tired. I'd been exhausted the last few months. That felt like a practice run. Honestly, it's so weird, but it feels like the last few months of last year prepared me emotionally and spiritually for the losses that immediately launched themselves at me this year because it does feel like I lost my best friend my confidant my cheerleader and the person who I'd like to believe I was also cheering on whose cheerleader I also was I've caught myself itching to share a podcast with her that I just discovered or send her a link to a beautiful song and every time realizing no that's not available to me now I'm heading into this new life and the person that I usually share everything with is not there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I need to take this time and she needs to go have her experience. And I don't know when it'll be safe for us to engage again. So the year started with loss and then shortly after that, the loss was compounded. And I ended this phase of relating with the mage. And it was, is a death for me. It's hard to talk about without wanting to start crying. Even now. And and it's not, it's not a breakup because it's just not. It's, our relationship wasn't of the nature to be a breakup, but it's a goodbye for now. It's a friendship that's going through a quiet phase. And there's a lot of pain between us. And I ended it because he kept postponing our meeting. And I kept living with this ache inside my stomach of rejection and fear that he wouldn't want to see me. And confusion about him not wanting to see me. And the deep desire to be able to hold space for him not wanting to see me right now. And finding that as hard as I try, as much as I want to give him as much spaciousness as he needs, I actually need more maintenance. And I've been asking for more contact. And he isn't able to give that to me right now. And so I need to walk away because I cannot hold that that ache. I can't be stuck in the trauma response that I was stuck in last year. This needs to end. I need to walk away. And I never thought I'd be the one to walk away. In the three years of our relating so far, in my heart towards him, there's never been anything but a big fat yes. And so it was a surprise to come up against my own no. No more. 
I need to move on. I cannot sit and wait that he will contact me, that he will reach out, that he will finally find it within himself to be able to engage again. I need to stop hoping. That was the main thing. I need to stop hoping. This ends now. So I don't know what will happen there. There's also tremendous peace about him, as there is peace about my sister. This awareness that love doesn't die. This deep tenderness doesn't die, will not die. This friendship is simply shifting. I need to go do my own thing. He needs to go do his own thing. He needs to go through the things that he's going through and I need to stop waiting for him to come back. I can't do that anymore. It weakens me. So that was intense grief. It still is. I gave myself a few days of more doing nothing. And then I decided, okay, I need to get back up. And it's really hard. I've just lost the two most important people of my life. And whilst on the one hand I believe in the love we have for each other, I don't know when I will see them again. I don't know when there will be ease laughter, comfortableness between myself and either of them. I miss them both so much. And it's also interesting because I keep revisiting my interactions with the mage and my interactions with my sister, asking myself what I did wrong and coming up against over and over the fact that it's not about what I did wrong or not because Honestly, I did very little wrong, although wrong is relative, but I did very little that was out of alignment for me. I engaged with them both from a place of love and truthfulness, and yet this happened because I cannot control this. I can't control what they go through. I can't control what life brings to me. Both of them need to have their own journeys, and I need to have mine. And again, looking for the right thing to do, isn't the solution right now. I don't know if there is a solution, but if there is, it's saying yes. And so I'm saying yes to this, to the sense of walking naked into this year because that's how it feels. I don't have a house. I don't have an income. I don't have my two closest people. I feel extremely naked. I feel extremely raw and vulnerable. And this is not where I thought I'd be. You know, I was prepared for this year as much as one can be and excited, and I still am. But I thought I'd be in good shape. You know, I thought I'd be vibrant after this year's festival. I think I thought I'd bring all of the loose ends together and head off. And instead, I am weeping a lot, going for walks with my dog and just talking to the plants around me, talking to my dog, and by the way, you might still hear snoring in the background every now and again. He is lying nearby. Talking to the sky, praying in all its forms, feeling myself both desolate and at peace. So this is where I'm at. And there are a few things that I'm sure about. Nothing is quite going according to plan. I don't have the momentum that I thought I'd have by now. 
I don't even quite know when I'm leaving. I'm joining some friends up in Nelspruit, which is in the north of South Africa, by the 21st. It'll take me a few days to drive up. So far, the plan is for my dog and I to stop at a different camping site every night. Feel the country, breathe the air. Feel the road. I love the road. I love driving for long distances. And then join them for a birthday celebration on the 21st and from there volunteer. So that's the plan. But I'm waiting for some money to come in first, some last payouts from work, etc. So I can service my car, get everything ready, pack my stuff. And in the meantime, I'm staying in my friend Johnny's house. And I'm so grateful for him. And I'm so, so grateful for all the beautiful people in my life who've just really stood up and carried me in this time. Thank you to my mom, my siblings, to the Apocalypse Book Club, my friend, my close circle of friends. That's what we call ourselves. It's a, it's a whole thing. To Johnny, to Elizabeth, who's helping me with my website, and to so many others who've been so kind and beautiful over these past few months. There are many things I don't know. Most things I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going to be in a year's time. Here are the things that I do know. I'm a storyteller. And I am a lover of life. And I'm hungry to squish my face into life and wriggle it around and fucking live it. And I am. And then to come back and tell the stories. Tell my stories, tell other people's stories, connect stories, connect people to each other and stand back and look at all the beauty around me of all of these stories, of all of these wonderful people that I've gotten to meet so far and that I'll continue meeting and find a way of honoring all of those stories, all of those lives, of honoring people's creativity, of helping fuel that creativity, of connecting people. This is what I want to do this year. I want to explore my country. I want to live. I want to learn. I want to work. I want to volunteer. I want to sweat. I want to plant things. I want to help build things. I want to explore places. And most of all, I want to listen to people's stories and help them tell it. And I have conversations about interesting, juicy stuff, like how we relate, like how we grow, like how we heal, like whether healing is even the point, like how we expand our capacity to exist, like how to love, like how to love well, how to make art of life. Because it's what we're doing constantly. We're making art just by existing. And so this is what I'm planning on doing. I'm planning on telling people's stories, mine included, on this podcast, on making zines as and when the opportunity arises around topics that excite me, such as getting people to write letters to their younger selves and publishing a small anthology of that, getting people to write letters to somebody that they'd always wished to have written to and publishing that, doing collaborations with artists, 
writing poems about the landscapes I visit, engaging with the landscapes I visit and telling their stories, engaging with people who live in strange and alternative ways, learning from them and telling their stories. And I also want to start a second podcast, hopefully within the next few months, called The Bedtime Story Collective. And that came to me mainly because so much of the feedback I've been getting about this podcast is, strangely, about my voice. (laughs) People have said they really like my sound. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And my mom kept kept saying she falls asleep to my podcasts. And I realized this is how I came to podcasts myself, is I started listening to them a few years ago to help me fall asleep after realizing that watching a movie could help me fall asleep much better than basically anything else. But I didn't want to fall asleep next to a laptop every night, so I switched to podcasts and very soon started listening to podcasts apart from trying to fall asleep as well. But there is something about listening to a voice, focusing on a single speaker that quiets your mind. And there are many podcasts out there actually dedicated to that. And so I thought to myself, wouldn't it be fun if I could read you stories, interesting stories, beautiful stories from every genre, fiction, non-fiction, or maybe not every genre. I don't envision myself reading anything from the horror genre but apart from that you know and so my idea is to solicit writing from aspiring writers solicit stories from storytellers get them to send it to me and start a collective really of people who've always wanted to practice who've always wanted an audience of them sending me their stories subject to selection and editing and all of that of course and me reading that for you to fall asleep to or simply for you to have a story to listen to from different artists, from different authors, from different storytellers. And that could be a way of bringing stories together. And that's something that excites me. So that's one of my more tangible projects that I have ahead of me. And of course, there's this podcast where I hope to continue conversations about relationship anarchy, about how we could possibly envision new ways of engaging, innovative ways of building community, really. That's really what I'm interested in. I'm talking to people who are doing that. I hope this will become a space where more and more of you participate and where I can also start having interviews. I have a few ideas lined up. And so to fund all of these ideas, all of these projects, these conversations I want to start, I have launched a Patreon. I'll link it below in the show notes and I'll also post about it on social media where I've been actually very quiet in the past while but I aim to become a bit more engaged over there and for now the idea with Patreon for me is to simply grow a small community of people who are excited about what I hope to be to be doing and a community of participants really I hope that this will become a group of friends and there are three tiers although for now I can't offer huge benefits to the higher tiers but on every tier you'll get access to Patreon-only posts, 
to lists. I love making lists, lists of my favorite books, lists of places that I visited that I would recommend, lists of exciting projects happening in South Africa, lists of things because I keep making lists and book reviews and book recommendations and stories of what I've been going through, life updates every month, a mention. Whenever you become a Patreon, you'll get your name mentioned in the next podcast episode. And then for the higher tiers, the $10 tier and the $20 tier, you'll get either a postcard every six months or more, or you'll get a handwritten letter and poem every six months or more. For now, those are the only extra benefits I can realistically offer for the higher tiers. But I hope to soon expand that and to soon expand all the the projects that I want to branch into. And really, benefits notwithstanding, the idea for me for now with Patreon is not so much to offer you many benefits, although I'd love to do that, but to offer you the chance to support this project if you want to. And if you don't want to, that's fine. Continue listening. Continue engaging. You don't have to be a Patreon to do that. I will never make it a Patreon-only thing. I would love for everyone to participate. And there are many other ways you can support me. You can follow me on social media. You can share my posts. You can rate me on iTunes or these days on Spotify. Spotify is the option now of rating podcasts. You can write me a review, whether good or bad. I don't care. A review is feedback and feedback is so welcome. You can send me emails, questions, suggestions. You can send me voice notes that I'll play on the podcast. There are so many ways of engaging, and I hope you'll consider them. One of the main ways that I hope you'll consider engaging is becoming a patron. So I'll leave the details below, and I hope we'll meet over there. And if we don't... I hope we'll meet somewhere else, somewhere on my journeys, as I head off into this beautiful country of mine, with all of its beautiful people, in this beautiful world, in this beleaguered earth, nourishing us nonetheless. What a privilege it is to be here. What a privilege it is to be talking to you, to be sharing my stories. Thank you for letting me do that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. I will end that here and I will talk to you soon. Thank you again and may your 2022 be one of meaning and joy.